This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 30th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. The public pension crisis is a difficult one to understand. It's a crisis years in the making, and sophisticated mathematics obscure many of the troubling realities about these large, open-ended pension funds. Rick Dreyfus is a senior fellow at the Commonwealth Foundation and at the Manhattan Institute. We discuss state pensions at an event on the subject held October 1st. The issue that is perhaps most important in uh, evaluating state pensions in terms of aligning the incentives of all the public sector actors with their actions and uh, making sure that they're taking care of uh, public sector retirees properly, the biggest issue to me seems to be how you discount those liabilities. Is that fair to say? That's the biggest driver of the costs and the liabilities, and that ultimately determines how much money you have to put in the plan in a given year. So okay. that's correct. So, so you're an actuary, uh, but as I asked you just before we started recording, I said you're not one of these actuaries who thinks that 8% is appropriate on these essentially riskless liabilities. Is that that's right? Right. Um, I, I think 8% is um, a bit too optimistic. In fact, uh, the state of Rhode Island just brought an actuary in to look at their 7.5% assumption, and their assessment was they had about a 40% likelihood of achieving 7.5% over the next 20 years. So the question is, do you want to you know, anchor your entire pension system around something that has about a 40% likelihood of attainment? And um, I think there that's the risk. Uh, just to back up a little bit uh, for people who are uh, not real clear on this issue, uh, when it comes to state pensions, it's a, it's a little complicated. The uh, the government decides sets a rate that they expect to earn on a portfolio, and then that is the rate at which they then discount their liabilities. Uh, the higher the rate, the less the government has to contribute to the the pension plan, and vice versa. And uh, this. When you choose high rates, as so many pension funds have, they find themselves in a lot of trouble. That's that's fair. Well, that's right. You're looking at long-term accumulations, and employees contribute, you know, five, six, seven percent of their pay often, and then the employer makes a contribution. But as you point out, it's based on these long-term assumptions that the assets will grow and accumulate at you know seven, eight percent per year, and. Um, that's the basis upon which contributions are made. So what happened within the actuarial profession that essentially made this uh, expected rate of return on a portfolio equivalent to the discount rate uh, at which these uh, government bodies discount liabilities? It's my understanding that that assumption, that uh, equivalence, does not exist almost anywhere else in finance. Well, this is a matter of... Um uh, state law in terms of every state determines its own funding policy in terms of their oversight of their pension system. And so they bring an actuary in who uh, you know, is providing a service, but the actuary is not clairvoyant and the actuary works for the customer. So ultimately, it's up to the pension board in that state to approve or reject that number. Now, that said, um, there are accounting standards that have to be met as well, and they have their own set of assumptions to be used. So it's almost like you're dealing with two sets of books, one for the accountants and then one for the state policymakers. Could you un unpack that a little bit? Uh sure. Pension plans are based on future expectations, based on long-term assumptions. 
And, and typically, as you point out, the, uh, the interest rate assumption is the most important of any assumption that, uh, of a, on a long-term basis. And based on the higher the rate, the less you put in right now because you assume that it's going to accumulate. So the, uh, state bodies determine this in consultation with their actuaries. But separate from that, um, the accounting industry now is uh, weighing in in terms of how a state's books are presented, which is separate from how well the plan's funded. And not surprisingly, the accountants have their own standards, their own interest rate assumptions, and their own methodology. So when the actuary computes the numbers, they have to do it two ways. They have to do it, one, for the state policymakers based on their assumptions, and then number two, do it to be in compliance with the Government Accounting Standards Board and the, and the methodology that they prescribed. Now, at 8%, as a discount rate, which which again is is uh, in many cases I think an aspirational rate. It's it's difficult to achieve that year in and year out, as actuaries do assume uh, in their models. Um, do you think that that has been one of the primary of drivers of these state pension funds getting into hedge funds, getting into these uh, uh, investments that promise high rates of return with higher risk? I do to a point, uh, because if you take the 8% as a given, then what you do is try to almost retrofit a portfolio around that in order to achieve the 8%, which not surprisingly is going to involve higher amounts of risk, otherwise known as volatility in the system. And that, um, yeah, there's there's something to be said that... Uh, you know, that, that's a contributing factor. Uh, uh, but I go back to the point that, uh, you know, they may make 8% in a given year, but it's, uh, you, you really don't want to anchor your entire long-term fortunes based upon, you know, a, an expectation that, uh, you know, may have a 25 or 35 or 45% chance of being achieved any more than an individual would want to set up a personal financial plan on the same basis. Well, but don't you think it's even bigger than that? Because these pension funds are set up to operate into perpetuity. And an 8% annual uh, expected return on a portfolio uh, is not uh, what reality will yield. It's a highly variable rate of return, perhaps centered on 8%. Right. Um, and politics comes into this uh, quite a bit, as you can imagine. Uh, because you know, changing the interest rate from 8 to 7, you know, reducing it by whatever increment you want, let's say, that's going to require more money to go into the plan. So now the policymaker has to figure out what program will be trimmed or what tax will be increased. And that is not something a, a policymaker likes to do. Um, the way I like to summarize it is that uh, providing a pension plan has a high political rate of return to elected officials, but funding it has a very low political rate of return. And so it's not surprising to me at all that you see rosy assumptions, costs being deferred, and otherwise uh, not keeping these plans current, that is, funding benefits as they're earned. You said that the rate of return assumption on the portfolio was a, a matter of state law. Why have so many states, and it, it feeds partly what you were, you were just saying, why have so many states and why have so many actuaries gone along with this idea that we should assume a 
fairly high rate of return on a portfolio and then make that equivalent to the discount rate. They do not seem to be directly connected at all. Well, the 8% rate is, in fact, the discount rate. Uh, no, I understand that. They've set those as equivalent, but when you are discounting a liability, it was has always been my understanding that you discount it at the likelihood of having that payment come due. And for state workers, it's almost certain that those payments will come due. Right. Now, what you're describing is sort of an economic, an economist's view of pension financing, which is not necessarily incorrect. I would point out that while the government will be around in perpetuity and while it can be argued that that payment will be guaranteed because of the existence of the state capital, it is by no means certain that every employee is going to actually retire from the workforce and, and live an average life. So this is not like a bond. There are what they call contingencies or things that happen between someone who's 25 and 35 and by the time they're 65, some retire, some don't. So I, for that reason, I, I'm not um, attuned to the... Uh, these risk-free discount okay, rates. Okay, like as as we before we recorded, you said I'm not one of the I, I'm not one of these actuaries who says eight percent is reasonable, but I'm not one of these economists right. who says three percent is That's reasonable. Right. So, uh, building on that, right. uh, I guess you're talking about uh, mortality tables, that sort of thing, the calculations of people who are not if going to collect a pension. Well, I, I just to answer your question, I like what the private sector is required to do to fund their pensions. They have to use a an index an annually adjusted index that is specific to the duration. Now, it's based on the bond rates. And um, uh, you know, there's some discussion here in Washington about uh, what that index should look like. But I think that's a reasonable sort of middle ground, if you will, in terms of uh, a model for the public sector. Um, because one, one problem you have is in the public sector, if, if one plan picks 8%, another one picks 7%, how do you compare how well those two plans are doing when they're using completely different assumptions? So, um, and mortality, as you point out, is, is a factor. People are living longer, but um, you know, ultimately, the actuary is a consultant. The actuary is not a, a legal entity, and uh, they're an advisor, and certainly not clairvoyant. So they're there to try to help the plan sponsor make a good decision. Given how politicians respond to incentives like everybody else uh, and, and the public choice problems associated with delegating investment decisions to people who are political appointees and the uh, varied interest groups that are surrounding public pensions, not the least of which are the pensioners themselves and, of course, people who might be wanting to provide investments to the pension fund, how should the public sector be involved in providing retirement for for uh, their workers? Well, all those items you point out are political problems. And uh, you know, my thesis is that uh, politics and defined benefit plans uh, are a toxic combination. And I think you're right. You can point to a number of potential conflicts or uh, states that you know, only invest in their own, or have a segment of their portfolio invested in their particular state for in the interest of economic development, when in fact it really they're, they're there as fiduciaries and they should be overseeing a, a diversified fund in the interest of a balanced portfolio. But uh, 
politics comes into the equation. Rick Dreyfus is a senior fellow of the Commonwealth Foundation and the Manhattan Institute. You can watch our event on state pensions held October 1st at our website, cato.org.